Welcome to Damn Good Content Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Claymall. From corporate world to entrepreneurship, I own a marketing agency, SCM, and I'm the founder of Damn Good Marketing Live. This podcast is all about digital marketing, cutting the fluff, and keeping it real with you. If you're ready, let's freaking get it. Welcome back to Damn Good Content Podcast. I'm your host, Shelby Claymall, and today I have um, someone that I've followed for a really long time on social, Trevor Crump. I love exactly how he shows up authentically um, and just as himself, all of his routine. He's definitely a family guy. He's married with three kids. So it's really right up my alley of how to have an online business and still make time for your family. Thank you so much for being here, Trevor. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I, uh, I appreciate the honor of being on the Absolutely. Damn Good Content Podcast. So Yes. I know I've been watching you for a while. I've seen you speak. I've, um, that sounded really creepy, but it's fine. It's online. so <laughs> <laughs> It's fine. I say weird things, but I want you to give us a little background of you because I know you're, you were in corporate, you have, you're an entrepreneur now you have a couple things going on. You're a co-founder of a jewelry business as well. You'll have a podcast, you have best yeah. media, like give us like the lowdown of who you are and, and what you do. Yeah. Um, um, I'm a, I'm a dad. Uh, of three been married for 15 years this year so yeah. not there yet but i'll be married 15 years this year um i uh own a, a few different business but I, i'm a guy who never wanted to be an entrepreneur like i never wanted to i never wanted that responsibility uh my entire life yeah um and now i'm a guy who owns a hand a couple different businesses so the yeah. first business that i launched um was a uh, a golf company called asher golf uh, and then I launched a um, performance marketing agency called Bestie Media um, shortly after we launched a, a women's jewelry line called Lore Jewelry. Uh, and then we recently launched a, a software company called Bestie, which is like a survey software to get to know your customers better. We call it zero party or first party data to gather that information about your customers, who they are, what they do, what they like, and why they do it. Yeah. Um, so that's me. I love that. But that's so funny because I feel like I had a conversation with someone else recently. They say, I didn't want to be an entrepreneur. And then boom, like it just kind of like fell on your lap. So like at what point or yeah. any point did it happen? And you were like, well, I guess I'm just going to do this. Um, I actually kind of love this story. So I might like take a little time on this here for hey, a second. Okay. But uh, yeah, so I grew up in a household where um, very, tr very traditional home, a uh, very conservative home, which was, you know, uh, you go to school, you get a job, you take care of your family. Um, all things that I still to this day very, very much believe, you know, like, yeah. you know, um, I, I want to support my family and and that's my number one thing. And and I had an amazing dad who did just that my entire life, um, pretty much up until I was graduated from high school. I did not exactly know what my dad did. I just knew he had the same job his whole life. Right. Uh, in fact, in fact, when anyone asked me what my dad does, I always told everyone he was a locksmith. And then to come to find out, he was actually the president of a lock company. Oh. Um, and so <laughs> I was underselling, not that there's anything wrong with being yeah, a locksmith, no, but yeah. that's just, that's what I told people, even, yeah. even as a high schooler. And so, um, so I did that, you know, I, I, uh, you know, I always knew I wanted to be into marketing. So I went to school, I got an internship, I went and got my master's degree, I got more job, and then I, I landed the corporate job, you know, had a family, have kids, taking care of it. And in 20, uh, early 2017, um, the company that I was working for, I was, so I was a VP of marketing for a $250 million company here in Salt Lake City, Utah. 
yeah. um, growing and, and my growth trajectory from a career was just like, it was everywhere I thought it could have been, you know? Right. And um, all of a sudden I was in a meeting um, at 30 people and I was in a meeting and I was conducting this meeting and a group of about 20 FBI agents rushed into our office. So 20 FBI agents in their jackets, they have their guns, they have their bulletproof vests. They come in and they, they, they're telling everybody to get up, leave their phones, leave their computers. Um, and, and I just see, you know, people boom, 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 getting up. And I'm in a corner office, like far away from the elevators where I'm seeing this happening. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. And um, they come rushing into that room and they go straight to me. They don't talk to anybody. They go straight to me because it looked like I was like uh, an executive of the company because of I was in, I I happened to be in my CMO's office who was out of town. So I was conducting a meeting in this like big gaudy corner glass office. And, and, um, and they take my computer, they take my phone, they bring me down to this room. They start questioning me. Um, and you know, we had, we had over a thousand employees and in that office, there was probably 500 of us. Half the office was in that office. And then the other was spread out through a few other offices. And so they just put us all in this room and and pretty much said, Hey, like we are seizing everything right now. We've seen, we, we, you know, we can't really tell you what's going on. So we had no idea what was going on. Um, but to make up, you know, make a long story short, um, when, when you get raided by the FBI, the first thing that happens is, um, all banks, all credit lines that you have gets, get pretty much just halted. So um, our credit line gets stopped. So we, we essentially can't pay anything. And I was in charge of marketing. And so our marketing budget was, you know, three to $5 million a month we were spending on ads and, you know, all this kind of stuff, not yeah. to mention the con- what the content team is doing. And so our lives pretty much just get like, Hey, you got to come into work, but you can't really do anything. And we're trying to figure out what to do. And everybody's like, what the heck is going on? Is this legit? What's going on? And within a couple of days, um, the company, uh, you know, I, I, uh, like upper management comes to me and says, Hey, you got to let go of half your team. Like we can't afford to pay, pay people because we, we don't have cash, you know? Yeah. And, and I'm like, well, what is, what does that mean? We have to let go half of our team. And they're like, well, you just like, this is pretty much how much like money you have to get rid of. And so I like, it wasn't like, Hey, get rid of your best, your worst performers. It was like, this is the number you got to get rid of them. And so me and my CMO, you talk and anyways, we, we lay off over half of our team and they lay off over like, you know, 40% of the staff, like just like overnight, you know, and it, for the next 12 months, that's kind of what ended up happening. We ended up filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy. The, the beauty of filing for chapter, I shouldn't say the beauty because filing for chapter 11 bankruptcy kind of sucks. But the, what happens is the number one thing chapter 11 bankruptcy does for a company is it protects your employees. So that's what it's meant for. Like all, all money you get has to go to paying your employees first. And then they go to paying um, like your accounts payable stuff, you know, the, st- the stuff that yeah. you have to do. Okay. And so, so my CMO pretty much just said, Hey, stay with me. We're going to get through this. We've got all these lawyers. Um, if you'll stay with me, like you've got even better trajectory and even better opportunity. Oh, wow. But over the next 12 months, there's just was this, we, we seriously went from a thousand employees to, you know, 200 employees oh, to, wow. um, you know, within like 18 months, you know, to, you know, end, end of the story, everyone was gone. The company was completely gone, you know? Oh, and I kind of had this like hardening in my heart that I said, you know, this company's done so much for me. They love me. But at the end of the day, like 
I can't control anything that they do. And I hated that my family was put in jeopardy because of poor decisions that people I had no idea were making were making. Right. And I went from this, okay, my entire life, you know, 20 years or 18 years of, you know, before I kind of get my own job and whatever. I went for my whole life saying, this is what stability looks like. This is what protection looks like. This is what safety looks like Um, to that just being completely upended. And I knew like right in that moment that the only person I had control over, the only person I could trust was myself. And so if I was ever, if my family was ever going to be in that situation, it was going to be because I made a bad decision, not because somebody else made a bad decision. Right. And that's like what propelled me to saying like, it was weird. It was, it was really this like callous. Even my wife was like, you've become a harder person and it was just like that that like 12 months I stuck around at that company just it just shook me because yeah. it it shook my entire belief system in what how things worked you know yeah and the fact so. that well first off it sounds like a movie so like when you when you actually said the beginning of it I was like wait I didn't expect that to go there you were like the FBI yeah. watched it and I was like wait am I in a movie what is happening so that it was a movie so yeah. I mean I would have freaked out like that is what, but you know what? Hey, this is how things work and you never know what's going to happen. And the least, you know, you least expect some of these things. So I, totally. love, I love that that um, actually is your story because it's a little bit more interesting than just, you know, waking up one day and I was like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I mean, that's still interesting, but yeah, yeah, yeah for it. sure. Okay. So yeah, tell yeah. us a little bit about, you know, the love for marketing and especially now how it's like shifting from what we used to do probably, and especially you being so high up in these companies to now the importance of how we're supposed to do marketing now. Like I love having you on here because we've never really had someone that helps us like dissect the importance of marketing. And so I find that where have you seen the biggest shifts in marketing since you've become an entrepreneur? Where do you see the biggest shifts happening um, in the near future, especially in 2024? Yeah. I mean, I've always been interested in marketing for whatever reason. Well, I actually know exactly why I, I got when I was like 12 years old or 11 years old, my best friend's dad, when he was like 35, all of a sudden didn't ever have to go back to work again. He, he pretty much just became this stay at home dad. They bought this giant house. His dad drove my favorite car, which is a Porsche. And I thought, what does your dad do? And, and uh, he's like, Oh, he does something in marketing. And apparently he had sold some sort of massive marketing agency that put uh, he, he, his marketing agency put IBM on the map. So okay. he built IBM. Okay. And All right. yeah, and sold, sold his agency for millions and millions of dollars, which doesn't really quite exist that way anymore. You can't really sell agencies for crazy amounts of money that yeah. way. But um, this was back in the 90s. And, um, and so I, I said, okay, marketing makes money. So that's what I want to do. And, <laughs> and ever since then, I knew I wanted to, to be into marketing. And so... Um, so yeah, I've been, I've been in the space for the last 12 years or so and, um, marketing's changed a lot. Um, you're, you're probably not going to love like my response to this, but, um, what I have recognized is we are further with technology than we have ever been in the history, um, of what we know. Uh, yeah. You know, uh, what we know, I know that you can go back and debate that like, hey, the Egyptians had better technology than us. And there's debate yeah. for that. But but for what we understand and what we have been able to comprehend, uh, we are as far as we've ever come. Right. You got you got Apple Vision that just came out where people are literally walking around in the metaverse in New York City. And what but what I've recognized is in 2024, I'm going back to all of the basics. Yeah. Like 
all the tools, all the things that, you know, uh, the attribution softwares, the, you know, there's all these things that, that claim to make marketing easier. But at the end of the day, I'm recognizing that good marketing really comes from just a couple of things. Okay. All right. It's having a good product. Number one, right? One of my favorite quotes I ever heard from somebody was actually somebody I interviewed on my podcast. He said, behind every good marketer is a better product and a better brand. Like that's just it, you know? So product, you just have to have a good product. And in 2024, it's the easiest it's ever been to start a business. I mean, I literally just started a new Shopify account the other day because we're getting so many people who love our swag that I'm like, okay, I'm going to start selling it. And it took me, it took me, it took me 30 minutes to build a Shopify site and start a new business and yes. blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, this is crazy. Okay. Right. So there's, and then you got like Alibaba, which now gets me directly to China to manufacture whatever I want. And, and now you got TikTok where you got manufacturers who are creating content to be like, Hey, if you need jewelry, if you need shoes, if you need gum, whatever, Better. we'll yeah. make it for you, you know? Yeah. So it's like, it's, it's not only never been easier to start a business, but it's also never been easier to find manufacturing, you know, yeah. which like seven years ago with my first venture was so hard for us. Um, and so, uh, so product, you have to have a product that is good and that stands out because if you don't, one of the best, one of the best forms of marketing is other people telling other people about your product. Yes. It's okay. the cheapest, best way, yeah. right? Where like you're hanging out with your girls or your husband or whatever. And, and they're like, Hey, have you ever, have you ever like worn that? Like vet, this, have you ever seen this vest? This is, this is the best vest I've ever had. Yes. I run with it. Yeah. I go to the market with it. I go out with my girlfriends with it, whatever. And, and all, next thing you know, you're buying four of these vests, yep. you know, and you just learned about them from a friend. Okay. So product is, is number one. Okay. Branding is number two, you know, build something that has meaning that stands out, that looks good, that is consistent. It's super, super important because every, every single brand nowadays looks the exact same. So just build something that's different. All right. Something that is good and something that is different. Yep. Um, and then the third thing is create good content. All right. Like content is everything I've been media buying Meaning, so, so for those of you, I don't want to patronize any of your listeners, but for those of you who are like, okay, what does media buying mean? Yeah, right? I've, been run, I've been running ads on, on Facebook, Meta, um, Google, TikTok, right? It's, it's me running ads, buying ads for other clients, for my businesses. Um, and at the end of the day, um, you know, seven years ago, I, you used to be able to tweak things and like change audiences and, and do this like fun stuff, these different bidding strategies, and it would work and it would up your revenue that doesn't exist that much anymore. Like Facebook's algorithm has gotten so good that it does all that for you. Mm -hmm. The only thing that really makes us stand out is good content. It's like, that's the, like, that's the end, end all be all. And then like a subset to good content is just the right message. Like that's it to me. It's like good messaging, good content, which makes a good brand and have a good product. If you can do those things, like marketing is very, very easy yeah. for you. So when you say good content, what, what could be some examples that you would give them listener wise, especially going into 2024? I mean, do you, with the words and how everybody's saying like authenticity is really getting pushed in 2024, they want to see the real people behind the brands and seeing all that with content and the emotional connection that you have with your consumers. Can you touch a little bit on 
like what it takes to actually make good content instead of trying to be trending and just throwing shit against a wall and hope it sticks. Can you give us a little bit back? Yeah. Yeah, totally. I mean, trending stuff was, was so great in 2020 and 2021, you know, because not everybody had figured that world out. And so you could hit trends and it would work. In fact, I was one of those people, you know, I don't know when you started following me, but I would do some funny trendy stuff and I put my own twist on it in my own authentic way. And and now if I do anything like that, nothing works. Um, To me, what I have learned is um, I'm a, I'm, so I'm a millennial Yep. and one things that, uh, one thing that us millennials didn't grow up with what was phones in our face. Yep. Right. Yep. Um, like if I ever took a selfie as like, as a, as a youngster, uh, I, I could, I would have got punched in the face Yeah. where now that's like, where now that's like, <laughs> yes, that's just what you do. Yeah. In fact, uh, in fact, I was like, I was at a, I was at a dinner one Sunday, like, and I've got some, you know little some cousins who are gen z and 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 i i was i wasn't i wasn't spying on her but i was walking behind her and she had her phone out and i saw a picture of her and she was writing on the picture and the way she was and i, and I asked her about it the way she essentially is texting her friends is through snapchat she would take a selfie right like oh i'm bored at this sunday dinner what are you up to you yeah. know and i'm like that's so so you know, Gen Z looks at creating content very different than millennials, right? It's, it's very, it's not very awkward for Gen Z, you know, and, um, or at least not as much for, for, as it is for us millennials or boomers right. or whatever. Yeah. Um, because we just weren't, we, we, we didn't grow up with cameras in our face. And no. so what we grew up with, um, was seeing beautiful pictures of products and seeing, you know, uh, destinations of other people, you know, and it was very visual. Yeah, you know, it was very visually pleasing. It was very um, desirable, right? Oh, I want that, and somewhat unattainable. But this, but if I if I work with this company, this brand, who's who's reached this, maybe one day I'll be able to attain it. That's like that's what content creation really looked like yeah. um, for 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 brands like you know what we were starting. And but nowadays, you know, we're so desensitized to that. We're so desensitized to trends. Um, not, none of that, that just makes you blend in when you're yes. doing that kind of stuff. Okay, good. Um, that now what people just really want, and this, once again, this goes back to the basics. Basics. It's just storytelling. Like people just want to hear stories. Like you go, like my wife the other day, she, or not the other day, a couple, uh, you know, a couple months ago, she went to, she went down to Southern Utah and, and Southern Utah is known for, there's lots of Indian reservations. There's lots of kind of Anasazi things, really cool stuff. There's hieroglyphics everywhere. Yeah. And she was staying at this place and there were hieroglyphics that, and, and the people that were talking to were like, oh yeah, this tells this story. And it's like, okay, those are, I don't know. I, I don't want to say like thousands of years. I have no idea how old they're, but they're so ancient and, and they were on walls just telling stories. Right. You know? And now when you look at some of them, at me as a consumer, like my favorite content to consume is content that tells a story. And some of these are from brands. It's not just content creators. Yeah. Like I'm hearing the stories of like, like one of my favorite brands to follow is a company called Midday Squares. Mm-hmm. They're like, a, they, they, they claim they're like a functional chocolate. So like a healthier version of chocolate. Okay. And it's just three people running this company and they're trying to take on, they're trying to take on the Nestle's of the world and these like massive congl- like chocolate yeah. conglomerate. Yeah. And they're, doing it like they're succeeding because they're just telling everyday stories and and 80 percent of the videos that they 
post on Instagram or TikTok have nothing to do with, oh, this is such good chocolate and this is how healthy it is. It's like, you know, it's it's like a video about how some like hackers hacked their domain and turned it into a porn website. And they tell the story about how that happened and what it did to their business and and nothing to do with it. And they're growing this massive following. They've sold over a hundred million bars. Now they're in all the major distributors and they're this tiny group of people from Canada. And it's all because they just, they're telling stories that have not a ton of meaning, but they're just entertaining and people end up falling in love with you know, the characters of those stories. And then they say, oh, like, that's what happened to me. Like, I'm like, oh, I'm a healthy guy. I want to buy yes. functional chocolate. And like, me and my wife love those chocolates, but I, I came in as a consumer because of their content and their stories. Holy shit. Damn Good Marketing Live 2024 is back. Bigger, better than ever. A two-day marketing conference that you definitely don't want to miss. For exclusive insider scoop, tickets will go on sale to the wait list February 27th through the 29th. And I'll tell you this, the waitlist has already exceeded the spots that we have available for 2024. So if you don't want to take that chance of waiting until tickets go live to the public, I suggest you check out the show notes below, click the link and get on our waitlist. I'll see you there. Let's freaking get it. I think what what happens is, especially with the world of social media, like what you said, we weren't used to consuming so much content and now we consume so much content. So it's like overwhelm and influx of shit we probably shouldn't be looking at and consuming. And so a lot of times when people are like, I don't even know what to create, Shelby, I'm not, I don't know what to do or where to start. It goes to the basics of instead of listening to all these gurus shout from the rooftops of like, you just have to create content, figure it out and like do it. Just go back to the basics. Like you say, every time I try to tell people it's time to get on social media, if you have a product or service, like this is your new marketing way of doing things. You have to get on board and you have to storytell. It's going back to the basics of what is marketing. It's just a new way of doing it. And if you understand marketing in general, then you're going to be okay with it and you're going to be able to do it. So hearing it from you, especially because like you are like OG marketing to me, because when I watch your content and I consume your content, it's like marketing. It's not, oh, hop Mm -hmm. on this trend. You have to do this, this certain way. It's like you just showing up and producing content in a way and a facet of like what you know and what you're doing. So I definitely respect that in that sense. But it's just, I love when you say like, as millennials, we're not used to this because we aren't because I have Gen Z's that work for me. And it's just we're not used to having a camera in front of our face. But what I love and respect about you is you do it anyway, like you show up online. I guess what would be my next question to you because I have so many as you talk um, is how has it gotten easier? Has it gotten easier? Or you've just adapted to getting used to showing up online? And it's just second nature to you at this point. Yeah, I mean, Luckily for me, um, like the idea of public speaking has never been a debilitating thing. So that that's kind of like the two pronged approach. Like Gen Z, everyone has everyone has a pub like a public speaking kind of fear. Yeah. Um. And um. And then you mix that with the like, hey, I didn't have a camera in my face, and and so now you got like two things uh, against you, right? So I luckily didn't have that one thing against you. I'm more so when I first started, just felt like I felt stupid of what people were going to think about me. Yes. That's more so what I, I didn't feel like I was going to be like, you know, I I've spoken in front of hundreds of people before. And that's that I've never, you know, like, yeah, of course I get a little like, you know, palms are a little sweaty, armpits are a little sweaty, you know, but like you get a little nervous, but nothing that's going to stop me from doing it. But I think for me, um, 
when I just kind of had a plan and I, you know, like my thing was, I just need to make a plan on how I'm going to do this. I need to carve out time. Um, and I'm going to just start to, I'm just going to, I'm just going to commit to it. Um, that was really helpful for me. The other thing that I did, cause once again, I didn't have a fear of showing up and people thinking I'm stupid or messing up. I don't care about that stuff. I don't get embarrassed very easy, but I had this like really deep intrinsic fear that my group of friends, you know, like I have a group of friends, like five or six of us from high school that have stayed in touch our whole lives. And, yeah. and we have this, we have this like IG group text and we pretty much just basically send each other funny videos of some people doing funny stuff, some people doing stupid stuff. And yeah. I just had this like fear of one day me creating a piece of content and it going into that channel oh, okay, and, okay. and, and everyone like, like being like, what the heck is Trevor doing? Yeah, you know? yeah. And so what I did for me was I just created a new account and I'm I I'm excited for of... what you're about to say, because I wrote that down <laughs> and I remember you saying this, but go ahead. I know exactly <laughs> what you're about to say. Go. Yeah. I just created a new account. Um, and at first I didn't make it my name. So mine was like a digital Trev or something like that. Yeah. So it could be anybody. There's lots of Trevors, Trev, yeah. whatever. And, um, and I, I, I wrote a list of everybody that I could think of. So like family members from like my parents to siblings, to cousins, to grandparents, to like some second cousins. I mean, I went deep and I'm then I went back as far as I could of like people I had seen in the last little bit on a regular basis. Cause I yeah. grew up, you know, I grew up like, you know, 20 minutes from where I, I live like 20 minutes where I grew up. Yeah. So it's a kind of a small kind of a small world here. And Utah just is kind of a small world, you know? So I just, I, I mean, I made a list probably of a hundred people plus, and I blocked every one of them. I blocked my mom. I blocked my dad. I blocked my grandma, blocked my second cousin. I blocked old girlfriends from high school. I blocked everybody. Literally everyone. Think yeah. Of. Yeah. And that all of a sudden like gave me permission to like, okay, now I don't have to worry about a single person knowing this. Because if, if somebody from high school that I haven't talked to for 10 years sees it, like, I, I don't really care too yeah. much. Like, I, what, I, I don't care. And that just got me, like, into creating. So I started creating, and then I said, okay, you know, I'm going to wake up an hour early. You know, if I was waking up at, at like, I was waking up at, like, 6.30, so I said, I'm going to start waking up at 5.30 every morning. Mm -hmm. And from 5.30 to 6.30, I just get on film and I create, create content, you know? Taught myself how to edit a little bit, videos, not that I'm good at it, but, you know? And I just... I just started cranking out content and it allowed, it almost gave me permission to be myself. Um, and that was everything. Like that was everything to me. Um, so that was the number one thing that made me like jump into that, that space. And then, and then like funny, like six months later or something like that, I had my first like million view video and all of a sudden I'm getting people that I completely forgot about and they're, DMing me and they're texting me, is this you? What is going yeah. on here? And you know, and the next thing I know, I get a message from my mom. She's like, Hey, my girlfriend's at bowling club just like showed me this video of you. What are you doing? Why am I not why can I not find you? And I'm, you know, and then it was like, Oh, all right, well, I'll unblock everybody. Well, I guess you now, can see me now. You know? That's yeah, so exactly. cool though. But, I, I love that story because I feel like what stops a lot of people, and I like having a perspective from a dude because a lot of people that I talk to, 
on a regular, I wasn't in front of a bunch of guys today and they thought I was crazy because I was talking to them about social media and I was like, you need it. But a lot of times I'm just in front of women and just seeing the perspective of like you still having the fear of you getting not made fun of in a way, well, basically made fun of by your, yeah, by yeah. your younger version friends of you. And like you went in and blo- I remember this story when you told it, it must've been like right after I followed you or something. I saw it somewhere and I was like, you know what? That's actually really smart because a lot of people that I talk to, that is what <laughs> stops them is what perception of people that they know. And totally. And yeah. so I love that. Yeah. We all just have like, there's, you know, I don't care how confident of a person you are. Um, like everyone has imposter syndrome, you know, like I know that that's like kind of been a overused term in the content creation world, but it's just, it's so true. You know, like everybody has it. I still get it, you know, t- today. Um, and so you got to find your way, like you got to find a way around it. You know, even if, even if like, like me, I kind of hacked the system to do it. And then it gave me a little bit of confidence, Yeah, you know, but yeah. I guess when, when you are building such a present presence online, I guess, what are your tactics of like getting out of your own head when that does happen now being as successful as you are just letting everyone know that doesn't matter how successful you get, this still happens. Like it's not something that just magically disappears. It's almost like callous to me at this point, you know, like I'm in a rut, like, you know, anybody who like, you know, happens, you know, if you, if you listen to this and you're like, Oh, he sounds interesting. Let me go look at him on Instagram. Like you'll see that a lot of like my views right now are, are down. Like I'm, I'm down in views and, and, and I've been, you know, going through a rut of trying to figure out, Oh my gosh, like, what do I got to do different? You know? And so I'm kind of in that right now. And, and the good news for me is it's, it's a rut. I don't, you know, it doesn't make me feel good, but I'm, I'm calloused enough because I've just put enough, like I'm a huge believer in at bats, right? Like there's that term just like, Hey, the more at bats you can get, you know, um, like Kobe Bryant and MJ, like they were, they were huge into this. It's like, they both, I think missed more shots than they ever made, but they're two of the greatest basketball players to ever live. And, um, like there's just, there's just something to at bats, right? Nobody, nobody cares if you go two for 30 in a basketball game, if you hit the game winning shot. Yes. Right. Like nobody cares about that. Like all they care about is that one shot that, that made you win the game. And so it, the more, like I was a huge believer in quantity, like just get out content, just post as much as you can, because it just will give you, like I said, it will give you muscle memory. It'll make you callous to the self doubt feelings you're going to have. And it's going to come into play. And I'm feeling like I'm reaping the benefits of that right now because I'm in this rut yeah. with some of my content. And now I'm, and now you'll see that I'm, I'm shifting gears to my content where I'm going to full-blown storyteller mode and I'm going to quality, not quantity anymore. Right like now I'm like, I'm going to create really good quality. And, and when I say quality, I don't mean it's going to be this beautiful production. That's right. not what I mean. Right. I, I mean, I am writing and rewriting scripts to make sure that the message is coming off the right way that's going to connect with somebody and, and help somebody in, in whatever way possible. Whereas before I was just writing a script, I'd put it out there. Sometimes it would hit, sometimes it wouldn't. And I'd just move on. Yeah. You know? So, um, yeah, I think just your at bats gives you more confidence a hundred percent. Yeah. And I want to, I just want you to, I feel like reiterate this. You haven't really said it yet, but I feel like you're going to is 
When it comes to social media and it comes to marketing, obviously when you're trying to understand your consumer and obviously everything is keeps evolving as quickly as it's doing, when it comes to marketing and creating content, it's a lot of trial and error. So like a lot of your content's going to hit, a lot of your content's going to flop. That does not mean that you're not good at what you're doing. It's you're testing the market and testing what the consumers want to see. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, that's a hundred percent, right? Like what's it like, here's the deal. Like I said, it's all about at bats, which is true. Right. But it's not about at bats if you don't learn from the mistakes. Right. Right. If you're just all about at bats, but you're not like going back and, you know, like figuring out what worked versus what didn't. Yeah. Then you're not really going to grow and and get, get anywhere. Like you might, you might get like the callus and you might get the, you know, the content creation muscle memory, which is awesome. But um, if you want to grow and, 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 and reach more people, um, you got to kind of have this at bats mentality as well as the figure out what format is right. Yeah. You know, one of the best advices, best piece of advice from a content creator I got, I was chatting with, in fact, on our podcast, we were chatting with this gentleman, his name's Ben Zaver. Mm-hmm. He's the founder of a really awesome protein company called Seek Supply. Okay. And they're blowing up right now because they've changed the, like their product is just amazing. And he, he said something, he said, listen, just get content up and figure out which format hits yes. and then duplicate that format over and over and over again. And then try some other things to see if you can get a second piece of format and a third piece of format. you know? And I just thought, it's like a no, it's like a duh moment. Like, well, duh, of course, that's yeah. what you should do. But I just like, I, I needed somebody to say it. Mm-hmm. And so that's now kind of what I, you know, that's what, you know, now it's like, okay, what, what format was working for me at the time? Okay, let's do more of that. And that will help you build a little bit more confidence. But yeah, you're right. Like, it's not like, okay, this is, this is, to, to, this is maybe the best way to kind of key in on what you're saying is just because something doesn't hit doesn't mean you're not good or it wasn't good. Right. When I first started, I would go deep, right? Like my, my first goal when I first started was I want to, like, I ended up getting my master's degree and regretted it because I didn't feel like it did much for me. Right. And so I kind of like wanted to be like, guys, if you're in marketing, you do not need education. This is what you need to, you know, I wanted to like, my goal was to help people, you know, who were like five years ago, me. Yes. And and so I, I was like, I, let, me, let me tell you, let me teach you. And I was teaching like very deep marketing principles. Yeah. And they would get no traction. They'd get no views. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, well, right now I own a consulting business. And when I'm going through that with other people, they pay me thousands of dollars. Right. When I'm sitting down in their office and going through this stuff with them because it's so valuable. But then I'm giving a piece of it on social media and it's getting 200 views. Yeah. Like, I'm like, this is gold content, yes. you know? So, so don't ever get caught up in like, if it didn't do well, that doesn't mean it's not good. It just means that you're not creating it in the format that people are able to digest it. Thank you for saying All right. that. Yes. Okay. Yes. Does that make sense? That like, it, so it, just, sense. it just, yeah. And so you, whether that means, you know, you got to tighten up, some of your transitions or you got to dumb it down, right? Like, yeah, I think like, I'm, a, I, I love the office. I don't know if you guys, ever, if you ever watched yeah. the office, but there's like this, there's this episode where, where 
where Oscar, the accountant goes to Michael Scott, who's the boss. And he says, Hey, we have a surplus of money. All right. And we need to spend it by the end of the day or else we're not going to get it back. And Michael looks at him and he goes, okay, tell me what a surplus is as if I'm 12 years old. And he's like, well, we have extra money. And if we don't get rid of it next year, they're going to put it on the books that we only spent this much money. And then we're not going to get that much budget next year. And he goes, okay, explain it to me as if I'm five, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, and he's like, okay, your mommy gives you $5 for a lemonade stand. And you bring her back $2 um, because it only costs you $5 or $3 to set up. And so next year when she asks you, Hey, when you ask her, I want to set up a lemonade stand, she's not going to give you five. She's going to give you three. And he's like, ah, okay. You know, so sometimes you need to like, see, sometimes it's just dumbing it down. Like I said, maybe it's just an edit. Um, Maybe it's a hook. You know, there's it's it, so it's not even the content; it's maybe just the delivery of the content. Yeah, and understanding like what your consumer actually can digest. I love that you said that because I say that, and people look at me like with like I have three eyeballs, and I'm like, mm-hmm. it's really just boils down to: do they like to read? Do they like pictures? Do they like video? Do they like you talking to the camera? Like, are you saying it fast enough? Are you getting to the point? Like, what are they actually digesting from the content that you're creating, and then create more of that? Yeah. And so I think what happens yeah, exactly. is the world of social is it's just so noisy with what's going on and what people are supposed to be doing that all these consumers that are just trying to do it for them, for their, I mean, business owners trying to do it for them as content creators or whatever, they don't know which direction to go in and especially just like pause and understand that marketing is marketing. And so as you have started all of your businesses, can you hone in a little bit on the importance of like, whether you want to be on social media or not, like why it's so essential and important and Maybe touch on the the podcast guest that you just recently had of how it literally changed his life overnight when done correctly, or just like the power of social media. Can you can you give us a little bit on that? Pre social media, um, how were you, you know how were brands connecting with an audience? Um, oftentimes it was very local, mm-hmm. so they didn't have national brands. Right. So it's very local. So you had a presence locally. You'd go to events, you'd put signs on billboards or benches or get a local at, at radio spot or what, you know, whatever. Um, all those things cost money. Right. Um, nowadays, uh, now that now things are, are, are national, um, in, in international, right. Um, you and you're and if you're just starting a business marketing is all about distribution right distribution meaning how do i distribute my message to as many eyeballs of the right eyeballs as i can and so you just have to ask yourself the question like how do you want to do that you know um and if you've got millions of dollars in funding you may not have to create content immediately um, you could go and buy TV spots and, and, and pay for paid ads and, and whatever, but most people are not, don't fit that category. Right. Um, at least most people I work with, most people I know, they don't fit that category. Right? You got to start somewhere. And so, um, you know, SEO used to be something that was really, I mean, I shouldn't say used to, um, SEO still works, but, um, uh, there's over like, <laughs> there's, I think I read what somewhere that there's over like, uh, 
like uh, 90 million active blogs out there yeah. and, you know, and maybe even more than that. And so it's, it's so saturated. So yeah. the SEO game, SEO used to be so much easier and so much more impactful if you started a business and you just wrote blogs and you were very right. keyword heavy. But now like that's really like, that's really challenging. Like unless you have a problem solution product or you really know what you're doing in the SEO space, like it's really, really hard. And so where's a place that you can get free distribution? Where is free marketing? All right. And when I say free, I'm meaning monetarily, not time. Yeah. Um, and it's social media. You know, um, it's, it's social media. So, uh, like you, social media is what blogs were 10, 15 years ago Yeah, where it was was a little easier to write, get some traction, get just website traffic to your website for pretty much nothing. Right. Um, and social media can do that for you. And if done right, it can do it in a intensely immense way. So like to give everybody here an example, like you know, I own and operate a seven figure marketing agency. Yeah. And I've never once, and, and all we do is run ads for people. And I've never once run ads for my company. Right. And it's because all of our business comes from social media. It comes from somebody being like, oh my gosh, I saw a clip from you. And then I saw that you had a podcast. I started listening to your podcast. And then all of a sudden I understood what you, like, I, like, you know, I knew you knew what you were talking about. And so I want to work with you. Yes. You know? Yep. And so, and that's the other cool thing about what social media can do is social media also becomes a piece of social proof yep. for, for you. So like, even if you did just spend a boatload of money on ads or on a TV, everyone, everyone goes back to social media profiles. I don't know about you, but like as a consumer, if I'm ever buying something new, okay. right? Like, I, if I will go to their Instagram first, you know, to just be like, okay, what do these guys sell? And, yes. you know, and, and I, yeah, I, I do go look to see if they're posting content and I look to see if people are engaging with it. And, and I look to see if they have reviews or good comments or bad comments. And I look at what their follower count is. I know follower count can be very manufactured, so it's not entirely everything I look at, yeah. but I, I still look at it, you know? And so I think social media at the end of the day, like you can see an ad and you could put hundreds of thousands of dollars into ads, but like if people go back and they don't see you doing anything there, they're going to be like, wait, is this company real? Oh my God. I love I, that you said that. I truly love that you said that because we like, I have an agency that's just solely on organic social media and like helping people get off the ground and start. And I always say that like you can target anyone with an ad, but if you don't have something to back up, like what you just said, social proof, it looks like it's real. Like nobody's going to trust you enough to convert to a consumer. And you have to have that organic totally. base built to actually work. So I actually love that you freaking just said that because it just validates because I sound like a broken record sometimes saying it. But I think it's so cool to hear, especially someone that has an ads agency to, okay, yeah, we put money behind ads for people, but you built your entire agency on organic social media, which is so freaking cool. Totally. The other thing about organic is, I mean... I was just talking about this with my business partner today is like, you know, we are getting into 2024 is an election year. Yeah. And one of the things that happens in election years is your cost to get in front of new eyeballs mm -hmm. from an advertising perspective will increase anywhere from 20 to 40%. Damn. Um, yeah. Because, because I think it's projected that like $10 billion in 2024 will be spent 
on ads alone for just politicians. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And, and so it's this, it's like this idea around supply and demand, right? Mm -hmm. So if there's tons and tons and tons and tons of people wanting to advertise demand, what happens to your prices? They go up, right? Just the basic laws of supply and demand. And so that's going to start, we're going to like, we're going to really like, you really start to see it happen in the last six weeks of the, like, you know, before the election, which is like early November. Right. Yep. Um, and so like starting in September, you're going to see your costs go, or it'll go up big time, but you're probably going to start to see them go up in the summer. Yeah. And so, um, but organic is free. And so normally just, this is the basic laws of marketing, right? Like we've all heard of, well, I shouldn't say we all heard. Have you ever heard of the law of seven? Have you ever heard of the rule of seven or the law of seven? Um, maybe tell me. You probably have, but like maybe not just worded that way. It's essentially yeah. like, hey, somebody has to see or hear about yes. you seven times before okay. they buy, yes. right? Yes. It's called it's called the it's called the rule or the law of seven, and it was invented if I remember back in like the 30s when motion pictures were just getting started, and and the movie theaters figured out if somebody could see a movie poster seven times, then they'll come watch it. Yes. And and so that's kind of like where that's where this kind of idea started is that nobody sees an ad one time or very few times somebody sees an ad immediately and doesn't know anything about that company, never been introduced to it, and they make a purchase. So usually when you run ads, people are seeing your ads over and over and over again before yep. they buy, Yep. right? And so if you can, if you can be, like if people can be introduced to you organically first, yes, and then you retarget those people using ads, you're gonna save so much money. Yes on your advertising costs. And you're going to be able to scale so much faster when you are creating content. Yes. It's just fact. Yes. Over and over again. My best clients are people who have organic presence. Yes. Because also too, a lot of times people say like, I don't want to say the same things over and over and over. Obviously there's different ways to say it, but you have to be in front of your client and tell, or the consumer and tell them what you do multiple times in different facets of what, like everything. For them to know, understand, to actually convert them to buy. So I love that you said that too, because it doesn't just happen one time and ads aren't always your friend if you don't have an organic base for them to come back to, because there's a lot of sketchy shit that happens on the internet that could be fake. It could be a fake business. Totally. Well, yeah. And not only that, but like, yeah, I I hear people say that all the time. Like, well, I don't have much to talk about. It's like, you can talk about the same thing over and over and over again. Maybe just find another way to say it. Like, like, guess what? Um, if you have a hundred thousand followers, there's not a chance that even 90%, usually not even 90% of those people will ever see your content that you post. Like at least every piece of content you post, you know? So you can, you can say the same thing over and over again. You really can, you know, like now don't, don't just have the same video on repeat, you know, like I said, (laughs) you know, but don't, don't fear telling the same story you know like you're gonna be all right yeah i love i'm not just saying this because you're on here but i love truly it's like very chill vibe with you talking about marketing that makes my brain work it's (laughs) like wow i actually do know a little bit of what i'm talking about but i'm also learning at the same time and people don't necessarily look at marketing as super important i guess let me say that lightly i guess some people will it'll be their first budget to cut when shit hits the fan 
And so I love like how bringing you on is like talking about the importance of you need it in your business in order to be successful. So you have to really have a good product and service, but you also have to have good marketing to back it up to help it get in front of eyeballs for them to see. I guess going into as we wrap up, my last question for you is tell me a little bit about or how you feel strongly about the importance of investing in marketing when you own a business, no matter what it is that you do, whether you invest in an outsource, a third party, or you hire someone in-house, but you solely need to have someone or like an agency dedicated to your marketing. So, so yeah, like, you know, that's the beauty of working with an agency is because like if, you know, you're working on an account and somebody's like down, you can go over to the other accounts and say like, Oh, Hey, they're down too. Don't worry about it. It's not a you thing or, Hey, it is a you thing or, Hey, you know what such and such person's doing? It's crushing it. And they're in the same industry as you. You should do those things. So that's why I like, I'm a huge proponent of like working with an outsourced agencies because it's a little cheaper and you get overall expertise, you know, but at the end of the day, like to really fully answer your question, the importance of marketing, like to me, my definition of marketing is very simple, which is it is just getting distribution to whatever your product solution is. All right. And so whether that's creating content organically, whether that's running paid ads, like that's marketing yesterday. Like I went to an event, I didn't sponsor the event. And I went and got like three or four potential new clients because I just went and talked to people. So it's like, that is a form of marketing because I'm marketing myself, which is marketing my businesses, you know? So like you have, I mean, there are a select few products out there that the product alone sells itself. Meaning somebody gets it, it changes their life right forever and then the rest of the world tells everybody about it but even then that's marketing so you invested in creating a really good product that markets itself it's called product market fit right so like if you're not marketing that's why you're not growing probably i love love that perspective too because i used to work in the oil and gas industry so the first thing they slashed is marketing but it's it's humorous because now i have clients that are in the oil and gas industry too so I will say it's just, I just love having conversations with someone that also believes in marketing because I think it's a huge component of your business that you need. And I too, obviously have an, my own agency that's obviously organic based, but I love the agency route too for people because it's that outsider's perspective that studies what it is to be successful in marketing yeah. on these platforms. And we constantly are evolving with the platforms and doing it, you know, with them. But Last question for you, because I know we it's kind of a stretch, but I'm enjoying having this conversation with you. Where did yeah, Bestie sure. come from? How did you name your business? Uh, um, to, to be honest with you, I wanted something um, I wanted something fun and just simple. You know, there's so much technology, like a lot of tech companies, yeah. um, what that you know, they're just like boring, you know, like they're boring, they create boring merch. And I thought, you know, my whole life, you know, my last little bit, I've, I've been dealing with e-commerce brands. I've been, be- yeah. been dealing with direct consumer brands, like really cool brands that you want to be associated with, right? Yeah. Like, like people don't want to be associated with, you know, Microsoft. Yeah. They want to be associated with Nike. Yeah. You know, um, even Apple, like people like to be associated with that brand, but like, I I wanted this like visual, like I wanted to build a company that like people looked at it and didn't see it as a tech company. 
Yes. And and so I was like, we have to have something like really simple and we just have to have something fun and it has to be cool. And I, to be honest with you, I was just in the shower and I thought of it. Like I, all of a sudden I was like, you know, I was, pull, I was toying with like BFF, like BFF was, you know, best friends for a lot, you know, I was like thinking this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden Bestie came to mind. I was like, that's gotta be it. Like Bestie. And then what's really cool about Bestie is like, it's, it, it had a double meaning, right? Not only is it, you know, cool, but it's like, we help you figure out who your besties are, who your best customers that. are, right? Like, yeah. so that's like, so like our tagline is like, have you talked to your bestie yet? You know? And it's like, brands need to be talking to their customers. Like yeah. that's, that's, that's another like little gem. This is not a plug for anybody to use bestie, whatever. This is just a plug for anybody in life. If you want to win in 2024, start talking to the customers, pick up a phone. Why are they shopping with you? How did they figure out who you were? Why are they sticking around? What problems are they hit? Like, if you talk to your customers, you will grow in 2024. If you don't talk to your customers, then your competitors are going to, and you're not going to grow in 2024. Yeah. So that's what, yeah, that's what we're like. I mean, that's like my big thing right now is like, I just want people to pick up phones, email their customers. You just learn from them. It's really good. Like I actually love asking for feedback and having a good conversation. Like, why are you here? What did we mess up on? Did we do something good? Like, you need all of that information in order to be better as a business owner, as a human, pushing out customer experience, content creation, all of that. So like I tell everyone, even my clients, I'm like, you need to just welcome all types of feedback. So totally. Yeah. 100%. Anyway, I want to thank you so much for being here. I appreciate it. Um, I love talking marketing. So I was like, I could, could talk to him forever. I have so many questions that we didn't call, but I'll have you back on <laughs> anyway. But, um, we will put everything in the show notes uh, for you guys to follow. Go get some merch. I mean, now, please tell me you have a sweatshirt. We do, actually. I have an obsession with sweatshirts. So I literally have an entire row in my closet. They hang. They don't even go in a drawer because I'm obsessed with sweatshirts. So I'm going to definitely be purchasing a sweatshirt to rock for you. Here we go. There's one. Right oh my God. I love that. Shut up. That's so good. But yeah, we'll, cool. we'll, we'll launch the swag site here in a little bit. Hopefully maybe in like the next like week to 10 days, probably. Oh, cool. So by the time this hits, everybody will know where to go get swag. If you want. Nice. You know, swag. Yes. Right, cool. There you go. Thanks Trevor. I really appreciate you being here. Um, and everyone just go follow him. Cause he's awesome. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. If you like this episode, please comment, share, leave us a review. And until next time, let's freaking get it. And that's a wrap on another episode of Damn Good Content Podcast. If you enjoyed it, please like, share, comment, leave us a review. And until next week, let's freaking get it.